live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon. How are you? Welcome. Um, as we brace ourselves uh, for the winds and the rain and the possibilities... Please be safe as you're out and about on the highways and byways. And again, if you don't have to, please don't. Um, I don't know about you, but traffic in this state is absolutely crazy. I don't know where all the people are coming from. Our engineers didn't put much thought into highways and interstates. I guess they thought, well, well, populations aren't going to grow and kids aren't going to one day get cars because, my goodness, it is a nightmare out there. Wherever you are, just just be careful, right? Just be careful. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios. He's spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. Um, LSU UL baseball teams successful as they wait another conference weekend opponent. A Super Bowl winning Saint uh, has retired. And um, Pelicans face a must win situation yet. Again, these stories and much, much more, plus an LSU practice uh, football practice update coming your way as well. LSU used the red-hot bat of Braden Jobert to a 15-4 win over UL Monroe last night. LSU's now 18-7 and on the season. Jobert followed up last weekend's three home runs and nine runs batted in with another two homers, and seven ribbies last night. Those seven ribbies, the most in a single game since Lafayette's own and proudest Antoine DePlantis drove in seven runs against Georgia in 2017. So LSU crews, they await the Auburn Tigers who come to the uh, the box on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday scenario. Yes, indeed. Um, the Cajuns, six to four winners over a very good Southeastern team in Hammond last night by the score of six to four. Uh, so the Cajuns, um, a midweek win to improve their record to 500, 12 up and 12 down. They've won two in a row as you heard in the two-minute drill the game against uh, UNO been postponed that was uh, to take place today that ain't happening so they await uh, Georgia Southern for a three-game series that comes up on uh, starting on April Fool's Day this Friday at the Teague at Russo Park there you go 
so we'll see. Um, softball for the Lady Ragin' Cajuns. A uh, nice matchup tonight as they're in the state of Texas. They'll take on the Texas Longhorns in Austin, 6 o'clock first pitch. And then they'll travel from Austin to San Marcos, Texas, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three-game set against Texas State. There you go. The Lakers lost last night to the Dallas Mavericks. Luka was uh, was really, really good. Really good. Um, they took care of business against the Lakers, who did not have LeBron, did not have Anthony Davis. And so the Dallas Mavericks took control, meaning now that the Lakers are on the outside looking in. They're in the 11th seed right now. They're tied in the records standings with the San Antonio Spurs at 31 and 44. The Spurs have the tiebreaker over the Lakers right now. So if the season ended today, the Lakers would be out. The Lakers would finish um, near the bottom of the league, meaning the, the Pelicans would get the 10th pick in the upcoming NBA draft for this season. Compliments of the Lakers and the Anthony Davis trade. So now... The Pelicans, 32 and 43, uh, one game ahead of the San Antonio Spurs. Pelicans take on the Portland Trailblazers tonight. Trailblazers have lost four in a row. They're in full tank mode. No Dame Lillard. The trade with uh, CJ McCullum to come to the Pelicans. They've lost four in a row, uh, eight of their last 10. You got to win this one, plain and simple. We'll talk with Justin Napoli here in just a few minutes uh, about the Pelicans. Chris Rosevoglu will join us as um, an Orleans Saint has uh, decided to call it quits. Safety Malcolm Jenkins has retired after a 13-year career. Originally drafted by the New Orleans Saints, he played for a few years here. Then he went to the Philadelphia Eagles from 2014 to 2019 and uh, finished his career back in New Orleans from 2020 to 2021. So he won Super Bowls with the Saints in 2009 and the Eagles in 2017. He was selected to the Pro Bowl in 2015, 2017, and 2018. A 13-year career and uh, Malcolm Jenkins is um, calling it the end of the line. 34 years old and retiring from the NFL. Chris Rosevoglu, one of our Saints analysts, will join us. We'll talk about Malcolm Jenkins. Is the safety position filled? And we'll talk about the upcoming draft. What do the Saints do with it? Uh, Mike Scarborough will join us at hour number two as LSU football went through another um, session on the Ponderosa. We'll get an update on that. Uh, I do know that Taran Matthew, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and tight end Thaddeus Moss were all in attendance watching uh, from the sidelines. And um, great to see those guys back. Honey Badger, one of my all-time faves. He was... Uh, he was terrific, terrific. Um, several players who were participating fully that hadn't in the first two workouts, cornerbacks Demarius McGee, Radarius Jones, B.J. Ogilari, uh, working as an outside linebacker, defensive end Ali Gay, and wide receiver Jeray Jenkins. So it's good to see them back in, uh, in practicing. And you know what? 
If you're nicked up a little bit, you better get out there because coaches don't know what you can do. You better see and be seen, plain and simple. In Hoops News, Kendall Coleman is officially a Tiger. We talked to you yesterday that he had committed to LSU, and now he has officially signed. So um, had a productive season, averaging a double-double. Uh, he started in all 59 of his games at Northwestern State. Matt McConaughey, uh, the head coach, um, I've seen him play. He's he's really good. He's a good defensive player, explosive, uh, gets to the boards. He, you're going to like him. And Coach McMahon also got one of his former Murray State players, Justice Hill, um, who said, you know what, I'm, I'm committed to the people that have been committed to me. Uh, and all Ohio Valley first-team selection at the point guard position, 13 points a game, five dimes a game, shot 36% from downtown. Now, there's a couple of other players from Murray State in the portal, including forward K.J. Williams, who's a six foot ten forward. The Ohio Valley Conference Player of the Year averaged 18 points, eight boards. Come on. Come on, big six foot tenner. Let's go. Um, and DJ Burns, who first played his uh, played two seasons at Southern, uh, New Orleans native, uh, went to Murray State, averaged six and six. So there you go. So you get a couple, you lose a couple. Sharif O'Neal, now Adam Miller, who never, who never played for LSU. He was the big transfer from Illinois, the guard uh, that, that LSU was counting on so much. He got hurt, never played a game, had to sit out the entire year, and now. Adam Miller is transferring. Jarrell Colbert, a center, um, is has entered the transfer portal as well. So those two, those three, Sharif O'Neal, Adam Miller, Jarrell Colbert, join Xavier Pinson and Brandon Murray. Those are five. And don't think for one second that that it's over at all. Don't, don't, don't even think about that for one second whatsoever. Um I'm going to ask Michael Huguenin, who's going to join us in hour number two, as he does hump day with Huguenin each and every Wednesday, about a bipartisan bill in Congress uh, sponsored by senators from Tennessee and New Jersey that uh, seeks to overhaul the NCAA infractions process. The bill, if passed, would require NCAA investigations to be completed in eight months and would prohibit the NCAA from punishing schools for violations that are two or more years old. Let's go pass that bill, please. Let's get this over with. Too many cases still out there. The LSU case was like three, four years old. I mean, come on. Either you do or you don't. Let's get it and get it done with. Be quick. Be thorough, be decisive, and be right. But this sitting back and waiting and waiting. You think they investigated LSU every day? No. They, man, they took vacations. They took their time. Oh, we, we'll get to that later. We'll, we'll get to that later. I don't feel like doing that right now. Eight months, perfect. Get it in, get it out. If there's a penalty, put it out there so schools can get on and stop being handicapped so much. With the unknown, it's ridiculous. The NCAA, ridiculous. I say a lot of things. 
some people think I might be crazy, but I think I still think college football is going to break away from the NCAA. I think the the Power Five schools are going to say forget it. I think they're going to get their own commissioner to run the league. It's going to be a it's going to be a minor league to the NFL. They're going to have their own commissioner. They're going to set up their own television deal. They're going to come up with their own playoff format, and they say the heck with all this other stuff. We're going to do it our way, and they're going to split the proceeds like that. I really believe that's going to happen. I really do. All right. Um, Justin Napoli talking Pels. Chris Rose from the Glue talking Saints. Mike Scarborough talking LSU football. And Michael Huguenin talking all things from this proposal about limiting the NCAA to the final four. Um, Coming up on Friday, uh, he used to play for the Tar Heels, won a national championship for the Tar Heels in the Superdome on the dreaded Chris Weber. I ain't got no more timeouts. I don't have any more timeouts. Timeout, timeout. Tar Heels beat the Wolverines. George Lynch was a member of that uh, team uh, for Dean Smith. George Lynch went on to have a nice NBA career, played many years with the New Orleans Pelicans. I got to know George, good dude. Uh, He and a lot of his Tar Heel teammates um, throughout the years will be in the Crescent City to support their team. And we'll talk to George about that night in the Superdome and what he thinks about the Heels' chances against the Duke Blue Devils, his thoughts on Mike Krzyzewski, hang it up, and all those topics. So I'm looking forward to that on Friday. All right, we got a busy day. We're brought to you by uh, Cajun Chef. Oh, for nearly 90 years, the Beard family, a tradition unlike any other, from generation to generation, putting out the same great products, their Cajun Chef hot sauce using only the finest jalapeno peppers. It is so good. I swear I bring it with me everywhere I go. And I travel a lot for work and 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 pleasure, but a lot for work. I bring it with me and uh, I use it because everything tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. Time out on the floor. When we come back, we'll talk uh, some NBA hoops, must-win scenario for the Pels against the Portland Trailblazers when we return here on the Jordy Helpert Show. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hunker down because it's coming. I can see the wind. I can see the trees bending. Let's be safe. We'll be right back. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games left in the regular season of the National Basketball Association. The Pelicans with a chance to get into the play-in scenario. They are in as we speak with a game lead over the 10th place San Antonio Spurs, who are ahead of the 11th place Los Angeles Lakers. How about that? Crazy. Justin Napoli, uh, propels talk and uh does a great job in covering the Pelicans and spreading the word to all his listeners. Kind enough to join us, Justin, seven games to go, buddy. How you feeling? Good, Jordy. Uh, first off, thanks for having me on. How are you today? 
I am I am terrific, man. I, I like it when there's some meaningful games down the stretch or there's some playoff possibilities within the grasp. I like this. It doesn't happen nearly often enough, so we have to savor it while we can. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, the weekend uh, was a – was a really successful one for the Pelicans. I know they had a tough one with the Spurs uh, on Saturday, but that Lakers game uh, started off pretty bad. But I think, you know, getting down 23 and then coming all the way back uh, to win that game was was just incredible to see. What, what, what was it that imp- – there's a lot of things that were impressive in that game. What impressed you the most? Yeah, there was a lot. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I just talked about this on the podcast a couple of days ago, but – um, there's so many people to talk about. Jose Alvarado, obviously, Herb Jones is incredible. But, you know, Trey Murphy was, was one spotlight that was just – I felt like it was coming out party and then Brandon Ingram. Uh, I do want to yeah. talk about Trey Murphy first and then Brandon. Uh, Trey Murphy's been a, you know, a guy that we've been pleading to play more and more. And just to see him, you know, it was a playoff game in my opinion. Just to see a rookie – you know, go up against LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers and to, to do what he did, it all started basically with that, that poster over Wendy and Gabriel. Uh, and then he started hitting threes, and he was just fantastic, not only on the offensive side, but also defensively as well. Um, and it's nice to see him getting minutes there in the rotation. And then, you know, Brandon Ingram. This team is, is, is so much better with him on the floor. And to see him fully healthy, and he looked good. And I, I thought he looked good early on because uh, I was a little worried about his hamstring. Uh, keeping mm-hmm. him out so long, but you could tell he was in a really good rhythm there in the first quarter. Um, I know the minutes restriction. He had a, he played like the first five minutes, and then he was taken out from the five-minute mark in the first quarter and then not put back in until about the five-minute mark in the second quarter, and that's when the Lakers went on their run. And I felt like Coach Green there in the third quarter made an adjustment. I was like, you know what? He's got to play. Uh, and he kind of took over there in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, he, he's a superstar, right? I don't think Brandon gets enough recognition, but Brandon Ingram is a top 10 offensive basketball player today. Uh, no question about it. I, I agree. And I, I would love, I know, I know he's got ball handling skills, but I would love to see him in an offense where free throw line to low block, he's, he's posting up and you get him the ball there. Who's going to stop him in the, in the mid range. He shoots over everybody. He's got those long arms. He's tall. I would love to see them utilize him more in a post-up situation uh, where he can just turn and shoot over people. And he's automatic. Yeah, when you when you think of that, I think of one player. It's Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant yes. has that. You know, he can go, he can take you out to three point line. He's got the ball handling skills, and when he really wants to get a bucket, he can take you to the block. And I, I think that that is definitely something Brandon should add to his game. I know I he's got that patent, you know, baseline turnaround jumper that's so smooth. But yeah. once he can start, you know, posting people up, he'll become literally unstoppable. You see guys like you know, even Luca does it right, where he hits a little step backs. Uh, once he, AD does it very well too. Once he adds that to his game, and there's not much more to add to his game, but once he adds that to his game, oh my god, uh, he's he's already unstoppable. But geez, he, he adds that to his game. Watch out! Watch out! Uh, Justin Napoli with us. Um, Zion Williamson will be making the trip out west as the uh, Pels take on Portland. Then they go to L.A. to take on the Lakers and the Clippers. And then they ended up with the Sacramento Kings. So four games out west. Zion's coming. Um, That's always a good sign. I'm just curious. Seven games to go. If things go the way they do, uh, remain as they are, then they'll have that one game 
play-in game to to stay. Do you do you play? Does, does Zion, if he's completely healthy and gets medically cleared, do you play him in one of these remaining games in the regular season, or do you hold him out? What, what would you do? Yeah, I think uh, not a lot of people are going to like my answer, but I, I don't think he plays this year, and only because he hasn't even practiced yet. I think a lot right. of people see the dunk and they see him shooting and all that different kind of stuff, but right. until he practices and gets you know some chemistry, because as you said earlier, Jordy, the Pelicans are playing meaningful games. You can't just throw Zion out there for him and him be productive, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I want him to play. Don't get me wrong. It's exciting to see him travel and, and all that stuff. I just don't think he's ready to play, if that makes sense. You know, I, I've said this before in your show, I think chemistry plays an issue in this. He's never played with Herb Jones. He's never played with Young Valanciunas. He's never played with C.J. McCollum. He's never played under Willie Green. Uh, so right. who got, you know, who knows what? Who knows if he knows the playbook? If he knows offensive, defensive schemes? Like it's a brand new coaching staff. There's a lot to be said about Zion Williamson, and like the dunking's great and the shooting's great. He just never practiced before. So let's 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 just pump the brakes a little bit on that. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. C.J. McCullough fair? making his first return to Portland tonight as they take on the Blazers, who have lost four in a row, uh, eight of their last ten. No Dame Lillard, no McCullum. They're putting people on the court that nobody's heard of, so they're obviously in a tank mode. You, I mean, you can't slip up. You have got to win this game. I mean, there's there are no ifs, ands, buts are about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a must-win, especially going to the Lakers uh, on Friday. I think Anthony Davis is supposed to return uh, on uh-huh. Friday, which will be interesting to see. I don't know if LeBron will play. Um, so it, it's a must-win tonight. Every game from here on out is a must-win. So yeah. can't slip up against Portland, but I'm looking forward to you know, take care of Portland. Then you have the L.A. teams Friday and Sunday, which uh, I think if you beat L.A., you put the nail in the coffin on them. And then, you know, right. Spurs are, are right on our heels, so. A lot of meaningful games, a lot of playoff atmosphere games uh, headed up here for the Pelicans. Clippers need a win, so that's going to be a tough one on Sunday. Um, Who knows what frame of mind the Lakers are going to be in. The Kings, eh. Uh, Then you host the Blazers. That's another winnable game. Are are the Grizzlies going to put their best foot forward on Saturday, April 9th, the second-to-last game of the regular season? You may catch a break there. And will the Warriors on Sunday, April the 10th, will they uh, try to get their trio back together to get them them in a – so I guess the point of the matter is you don't know what these teams – Teams are thinking, and are we going to see their full entourage, or are we just going to see a fragment of it, or are we just going to see them resting uh, their their best players to get them ready and w- well rested for the playoffs? Who knows? Yeah, I mean it's a good point. You, you got to think Memphis is pretty locked in there at the two seed. I mean they're they're not they're actually mathematically eliminated from being the one seed, and they're five games up on the Warriors. So you got to think they're pretty content with the two seed. So you, you'll see, you know, Memphis rest a lot of players. Golden State's interesting now, Jordy. I mean, Golden State's been in a tailspin ever since Curry went yep. down. You know, they yep. haven't been playing very well. They're only a game up on Dallas for that four, for the three seed. They're only three up on Utah and three up on Denver. Um, you know, they're five up on Minnesota, so I don't see them slipping into the playing game. But, I, you know, last game of the year, you know, if Golden State has nothing to play for, they're not going to play their guys. So right. that's another good point. You know, you get Portland twice, you get Golden State at the end of the year. Um, so there's some very winnable games for the Pelicans to make a move. I thought that the Pelicans could possibly catch the Clippers. Um, 
But with Paul George returning and them winning last night, I think that the Pelicans either going to be a nine or a ten seed. Is Herb Jones up up for Rookie of the Year? Yeah, it's At disgusting all? what the national media does with Herb Jones. I've been on this train for a good six weeks now. Uh, Herb Jones, you know, he doesn't light up a box score, and I know like your average but NBA fan win. loves to look at a box score and be like, how many points did this person score a night? Right. And that's the reason why. Herb Jones does everything well. Uh, there's not a rookie, uh, maybe Evan Mobley from Cleveland, but what Herb Jones does on the defensive side and the offensive side of the basketball is impressive for a rookie, and he should be. In my opinion, he's a top three rookie right now, but he's not going to get over Josh Giddy and those type of guys because, you know, Giddy has, you know, the passing ability and Mobley's got the scoring ability and all that stuff. But, you know, same with um, Cade Cunningham there in Detroit. Uh, he's not as sexy as those guys, but Herb Jones, in my opinion, um, with he's my rookie of the year. He does everything best, well. Yeah, the best all-around player. Um, I mean, Jordy, let me ask you this. When, when have you ever seen a rookie – um, guard the likes of LeBron James and yeah. Steph Curry. No. Get the and best not get phased when LeBron night. was was, uh, and not being phased when LeBron was hitting everything, um, right. and and still fighting and still fighting and made LeBron earn thirty nine points. Uh, that yeah, that's pretty good. I'm with you. Um, okay, we'll see what happens tonight. Uh, man, they gotta win this one. I just don't want to see the the Jazz anymore. Can't beat the. I mean, the Spurs can't beat the Spurs for whatever reason. They just have our number. I don't want to see him anymore but we'll beat the trailblazers tonight um justin yeah. thank you so much thanks for having me jordy you take care you're the best really do appreciate it uh, justin napoli appreciate uh does a great job covering the new orleans pelicans again pels trailblazers tonight it's a nine o'clock tip out there uh our time seven o'clock out on the left coast uh got to get this one we'll take a quick time out when we return we'll shift gears across the street in the caesar's superdome um, Malcolm Jenkins hanging up. And what do the Saints do with their draft picks? We'll talk with uh, Chris Rose for glue here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Sit back. We'll be ready. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Whether you're at the gym, outdoors, or at home, staying active is an essential part of a healthy lifestyle. For all the hard work that you put in, Eon helps to permanently eliminate stubborn, unwanted fat. Eon is more effective. Eon is more efficient. Eon is more comfortable. Eon is smarter. The first touchless, laser, non-invasive, fat-burning device. It's awesome. Eon of Lafayette, soon to be Eon of Baton Rouge and beyond. Eon, E O. 
in. Two-time Super Bowl winner Malcolm Jenkins retires from the Saints in the NFL after 13 seasons. I wanted to get Chris Rose for glue, our Saints expert, to uh, share his thoughts on Malcolm Jenkins. What does this do to the Saints roster at that position? And what are the Saints going to do with their draft picks if Chris were in charge? So, Chris, good afternoon. That's the that's the the dinner menu. Are you ready to engulf yourself with this fine food that we are serving up today? Oh, I'm I'm totally ready. Lots to talk about with the Saints, and uh, I'm I'm excited for it. <laughs> All right. Um, surprised? Not surprised? Expected the Malcolm Jenkins news today? Yeah, you know. I- I think the writing was kind of on the wall when he made the first contract move, basically dropped his salary to the the vet minimum, and that was a similar move that Drew Brees made right before he officially announced his retirement. So that kind of seemed like a a tail sign. And then yesterday, Dennis Allen was asked about that contract move, and he said, well, I think that's a question that you should ask Malcolm about. And lo and behold, you know, the the following day, we find out that Malcolm retired. So uh, I think the writing was kind of on the wall for it. Doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. It still definitely hurts, but... uh, I think it's a move that Saints fans were expecting and the Saints organization was definitely expecting. All right. So where do the Saints go at that position? Is that become a position of need, uh, whether it be a starter or um, uh, a draft choice to provide depth? Where, where, where do the Saints go now? I think a lot of it really depends, weirdly enough, on how they view their other safety they acquired this offseason, Marcus May, because I think if the Saints view Marcus May in that box safety role that he played with the Jets last year – then he might end up being the Malcolm Jenkins replacement, and they knew that from, let's say, two weeks ago. But if Marcus May goes back to the free safety role he had in his first four years with the Jets, then they still need to kind of find that replacement for Malcolm Jenkins because Marcus May will be replacing Marcus Williams. So I think there's a couple of options for starters. I think the smartest thing to do is get P.J. Williams back in the building. He's still unsigned. I would imagine his market isn't that rich if he's still out there uh, at the moment. So if the Saints can bring him back, and take a defensive back that can play in the slot, can play in the box, can also play free safety if needed. I think that's a, a, an asset they will need. So I think bringing him back is a must. And I think there's two options here. Do the Saints want to attack the free agency market and see what it would cost to bring in the Honey Badger? I know a lot of Saints fans would like to see that happen. I'm sure that is a, an option they can weigh. And then another one is, is potentially through the draft. And there are a lot of safeties in this class. If the Saints want a, a box safety, there's one from Penn State that perfectly fits that mold. If the Saints want to go with a free safety, uh, there, there's a young kid out of Baylor who would really fit that mold as well. So okay. there, there are options for them. I would say, though, it all starts for me with bringing back P.J. Williams, at least so they have someone they're comfortable with, and then assessing whether or not they want to go for a vet like Tyron Matthew or bring in a younger prospect from the draft. Okay, Chris Rosenglue, very well done. Um, the other bit of news that, that occurred the other day, um, Saints get a quarterback, uh, Andy Dalton, as a backup to um, Jameis Winston. Does this, does this eliminate, in your mind, the thought of the Saints drafting a rookie quarterback, or do you think that's still in play now? I think it's still in play because we never know how the board shakes out. You know, there there could be a quarterback prospect that the Saints really like on day one that somehow falls to 18, or maybe there's a guy like a Desmond Ritter or Sam Howell on day two that they really like, and they're like, you know what, I don't think they're going to fall to 49, but what if they do? Then that changes their plan. So I don't want to completely rule it out, uh, but this does actually help them in the sense that what if, you know, in in a horrible situation, Jameis Winston gets hurt again, 
I would imagine in the eyes of many, Andy Dalton is an upgrade over what the Saints had in Trevor Simeon last year, albeit Simeon did play well uh, in certain uh, moments. But I don't think this completely rules them out, if anything. I would say it just makes me ask questions about how do the Saints view a young guy like Ian Book. That, that would be the real question I'd have. Right. Yeah, I'm with what Eon's thinking right now. Um, Chris, obviously the Saints listened to us. They listened to you and I because they came out and said, well, we've been saying, or at least what I've been saying for a long, long time, Taysom Hill, no quarterback, Taysom Hill, tight end, intriguing. You know, when that when the news happened and Dennis Allen confirmed it, I, I kid you not, Jordy, you're the first person I thought about it. I'm like, Jordy literally brought this up last week, talking about if we'll see Taysom Hill at tight end. And, it makes a lot of sense because if Taysom Hill's the backup and he's just sitting there on the sidelines with the clipboard, kind of like what Dennis Allen said, I mean, where's the real value in that? And, and we said the, the same skill group right now, it's not that loaded. They could use another weapon. We know Taysom Hill is at his best when he's in that role. And, uh, you know, I went back to kind of look at the 2019 tape, and he did finish the year with almost 20 catches, over 200 yards receiving and six receiving touchdowns. So I think there are skills to work with. Obviously, you'll have to refine those skills a little bit more, but – you know? I love this move. You get the most out of Taysom Hill while also in, you know, in the process giving Jameis another weapon and strengthening a position group that Saints fans aren't exactly very confident right now in that tight end group. So I think this is a win-win. It was, um, you know, I will not be fully appreciated until well past my time, but uh, just just remember that, uh, uh, Chris Rosoglu, as you, uh, as you move on in your career. Uh, anyway, um, okay, so... You know, you, you pursued Deshaun Watson. You were going to lose all your draft picks. That That's now Cleveland's issue to deal with. So now you have your draft picks. You got the compensatory picks in the third round. So now you have a full platter of draft picks. So um, what do you do with the first round pick at number 18? Because everybody says, oh, you need you need a wide receiver. Well, you lost Teron Armstead. Now you've lost Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, so where do you go? What do you want with that first pick? You, you know, I think wide receiver is still towards the top of uh, of my list. If if I'm sitting there making the pick for the Saints, but I will say, and I know it's not a popular pick, you know, because offensive line picks are never the the flashiest moves. But if the Saints really value a guy like Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, who some people think he is a legitimate top ten prospect, if he's sitting there at 18, he's so athletic. And I think the the one thing that made Teron Armstead such a you know unique offensive tackle was his speed and his strength, and it was such a rare combination to see. For a guy that size, Trevor Penning, I think, would be an excellent replacement for the Saints, and I would ter- totally, totally not mind if that's the, the route they went. Uh, I will say, let's say he's not there on the board, I think there's two wide receivers that I'd love to see in New Orleans. I think one of them is Jamison Williams. I know he's still recovering from the ACL, but I think if he were healthy, yeah, he'd be without a doubt the number one wide receiver. So, no you know, why, why change your board just because of that injury? And then Chris Olave from Ohio State. He's got the speed. He's got the Ohio State connection that the Saints love. And, and he just really does such a good job of almost gliding down the field, whether it's a deep post or a deep out, and the Saints can use that. So those are the three prospects for me that I really, really value. And if the Saints are able to come away with any of those three, I'd be pretty ecstatic on draft night. Okay. Um, running back. Saints need one, don't they? They absolutely do. I, I kind of – starting to think that's the, the most underrated position of need for the Saints. And there's so many reasons why. One of it is potential suspension for Alvin Kamara. The other one is you do need that kind of co-star next to Alvin Kamara when he's on the field. And the third part of the equation would be, I love that Mark Ingram's back. He's a great veteran. He's a great energy guy. 
but he's towards the tail end of his career. So they need to add some life to that group. And I think there are a plethora of running backs they can add. And I think the one that would fit the most from a scheme perspective is Georgia running back James Cook, the younger brother of Dalvin Cook. He would be excellent. You could kick him out at receiver. He can pass block. He could run well between the tackles. He finds a way of kind of squeezing himself uh, through those tight spaces so well. And I think he would be such a tremendous fit alongside Alvin Kamara. There are other, a couple of running backs. Devontae Price from, from Florida International, he's an intriguing prospect as well, as is Hassan Haskins. He's more of a power back from Michigan. But I think the guy that makes the most sense in that spot would be James Cook from Georgia. Uh, Georgia. Chris Rose for glue with all the very latest on the Saints. Um, I, I, I was I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. Uh, you know, we talked about Malcolm Jenkins and we talked about that safety position. Um, Daniel Sorison uh, came from the Chiefs to the Saints. Tell me about him and what does he bring to the table? Why did the Saints want him? Yeah, I think it's an interesting move. You know, from a financial perspective, it's not going to cost them much. So I think anytime you bring in a player like Sorison who has a lot of experience, can play multiple roles, it's not a bad thing. The, the I would say the only concern is what's the vision for Daniel Sorensen because he is, at the, at the root of his skill set, is one of those close-to-the-ball playmakers. The minute you kind of get him out in space and he has to cover down the field, that's kind of where you're opening him up to his main weaknesses, and that's where we've seen him uh, kind of, I would say, falter in Kansas City. But if you want to see him excel, it's letting him rush and be a free blitzer off the edge. It's letting him play special teams. It's letting him kind of play closer to that line of scrimmage. And I think if the Saints can do that, you can get some, uh, I would say, somewhere to five to seven pass breakups from him. He's been able to force fumbles in the past, had a crucial stop against the Browns in the playoffs two years ago. So th- it's not all bad. I know some Saints fans weren't excited about the move, but I think this is one where you're bringing in a vet to kind of help out a younger secondary and also hoping that he can make an impact on special teams. Saints love to be a team that excels in that phase of the game. And, and I think if Sorensen does make the roster, he will play a, a part there. So, uh, I, I'm not too worried yet about what the vision is for him, but I would imagine it's going to be primarily special teams based for him. Gotcha. Um, Chris, the NFL adopted uh, uh, the the playoff, um, six, the, the tie game situation overtime uh, for the playoffs only, not the regular season. I've, I've been hearing and listening and defensive players are like, man, why? Well, come on, man. You, you, you're doing everything in the world to make it more difficult for d- defenses. The offenses are going, yeah, we want the ball. We want a chance. Where, where What's your stance on the new uh, overtime playoff situation where both teams will have the opportunity to get the football? You know, I'm so conflicted on it because I, it's, it's for me – We've seen where it hurts, like when the Saints lose to the Vikings in the playoffs after the Kyle Rudolph touchdown, and you think to yourself, man, I wish you had another opportunity. On the flip side, had the Saints beaten the Rams in overtime of the NFC Championship game, and and they scored on that opening drive, the Rams don't get a chance, and we would be talking about how we love the rules. So so, it really is so tough for me. Part of it, I do think, you know, it is a shame when quarterbacks like Josh Allen have tremendous playoff performances, and they don't get a chance to tie the game up because their defense struggles in overtime. And the other part of me says it kind of takes out the team game aspect of it. If, if your defense can't make that, that stop in overtime and prevent yeah. the touchdown, then maybe they don't uh, you know, deserve being on the field. I, I, will, I will say this. I thought it would have been interesting if the NFL actually went with, I believe it was the Tennessee Titans uh, request, which would have been if you score a touchdown and convert a successful two-point conversion try, the game is over without the other team getting a chance. I was wondering if the NFL would have went that route because hmm. I, I think that kind of keeps the old format in play while also kind of tinkering with something new. But as far as the format they picked, 
I'll say that I'm okay with it for now because, you know, we might get some exciting games, whether it's Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen or Joe Burrow versus Mahomes, and maybe we'll want to see them go head-to-head in overtime and both get a shot. So I won't complain about it too much, but I do think it kind of diminishes the team aspect of the game a little bit. The obvious question, why in the playoffs and not the regular season? Yeah, I would imagine it has to do with them not wanting these players to play any more football than they have to during the regular season. That would be my guess, but uh-huh. it is a little interesting because, you know, what if there's a team that ends up missing the playoffs by a game but didn't get an opportunity in overtime to match exactly. It's it, it very odd to me. I'm not really a, a fan of having different rules in the postseason compared to the regular season. I think it just should all be kind of across the board yes, the same. But absolutely. I would imagine it down to the NFL playing the safety card there. But I think it, I think it makes no sense, personally. <laughs> I just can't can't figure it out. Can I? That's like the NFL saying you've got to have uh, minorities or females on the offensive side of your staff. Why, why, why limit it to the offense? Why just... I just hire some. I don't care what, what what side of the ball they're on. I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it, Chris. I, I, I wish I knew. I, I think the biggest issue with the NFL is I think some of the things they do, they really think that it's helpful, and it just kind of makes the situation worse. It almost looks like posturing, and that's another example. Like why Thank it's you. only the offensive staff. It, it should be just the whole staff in general. I, I I wish I could just be a fly on the wall during these league owner meetings and stuff like that and just know what goes through their minds that they think some of these ideas are smarter yeah. than they actually are. I, I really wish I was there. Oh, my goodness. Um, all right. Well, uh, we shall see um, what the deal is. But uh, are, are the Saints – the Saints aren't done with um, free agency, right? They, they, they've got to do something. They can't just rely totally on the draft. No, I don't think they're done with free agency. I think right now the Saints, like a couple of other teams, are waiting for some of these veteran free agents who are kind of hoping to hit a certain price tag and eventually will come to the realization that they're not going to get that offer. They're probably going to wait for guys like that to kind of let that market simmer down and then pick a different landing spot. For example, a guy like Jarvis Landry, who Saints fans would love to see in the black and gold, he's reportedly asking for $20 million per year. He's not going to get $20 million per year. So. When veterans like him start to lower their asking price, I think we'll see the Saints, which they still do have a lot of cap space right now to spend if they want to use it. I think we'll see them make moves um, and kind of get veterans who could make an impact in 2022, but not for an egregious price. I guess they still believe in Traquan Smith. I thought he was gone, but they reached a deal with him. You know, there were, the funny thing is when that deal happened, I saw so many fans kind of over it. I think they were ready to move on from Traquan Smith. And then I saw the price of the deal, and I thought two years, $6 million for a guy who's primarily a run-blocking receiver who knows the scheme. I said, hey, why not? I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. But I, I do think for the Saints, you know, I, I really hope they don't go into next season with basically the same receiving core because they're just going to ask for the same problems that they had last year. Thank you. Um, Chris, you're the best. I really, really appreciate your time, buddy. Uh, you take care and enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Stay safe today, man. Stay safe. Same to you, Jordy. Thank you for having me on. All right, buddy. I love Chris Riles for glue. He's, he's terrific. All right, we'll take a uh, time out here. The Jordy Helper Show brought to you by Cajun Chef right there in St. Martinville, putting out the same great products that are great for your pizza, 
great for your salads or just great as hot sauce to put on whatever it is you're eating. I love mine on some scrambled eggs. Woo-wee! Um, Cajun Chef hot sauce. It's the best there is. Back to wrap up our number one, set the stage for our number two on the Jordan Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Jordy Holberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? You just wash your hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you can hiss my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holberg and the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back as we close up our number one. That Gulfstream private jet arrived at Augusta Regional Airport on Tuesday morning. And according to reports, Tiger Woods played 18 holes at famed Augusta National with his son, Charlie, and his good friend, PGA Tour Pro Justin Thomas. Um, Adding to the speculation, will Tiger play in the Masters? I, for one, hope he does. I would love it. What a great story for golf it would be. Do I think he will? No, I don't think he will. But if he does, more power to him. Bring it on, Tiger. Let's go. I'd love it but I don't expect it. Coming up, our number two, uh, LSU football practice report, spring practice report with Mike Scarborough and Tiger um, uh, on3.com's Michael Huguenin will join us as well. So a busy hour number two. Come on, Tiger. This would be great. Uh, Coming your way, the Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hour number two after this timeout. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Number two of two on this Wednesday, March 30th of the year 2022. We've got one more day in the third month of the year before we shift it to April. Uh, We got baseball in yesterday. Uh, We got spring football practice in yesterday. Timing is everything with the rain that is expected to be coming in uh, very, very shortly. Um, No worries on that front. Got the work in. I'm curious as to how spring football practice has gone so i called the man with all the info he's there for every minute that he is possibly allowed to be there and that is um from tigerbait.com the man mike scarborough mike thank you my friend how you you holding up man you're good i'm doing good uh just uh looking to see if this storm's gonna be a nothing burger like it was last week um hopefully Yeah, well, but, uh, they, they didn't let my kids out of school until noon today. Uh, and look, I had to go pick them up and the traffic. Oh, my God. It is just miserable in this town. Well, uh, after Friday, trying to get to LSU's uh, uh, 
first practice last week, or, uh, or was it Thursday? Thursday or Friday, whatever it was. Thursday. It took me an hour yeah. to get from the, uh, you know, the Segan uh, Parkview area to LSU. So I said, I'm going to leave an hour this time. Yesterday, it took me 19 minutes to get there. So I don't know what the <laughs> rhyme or reason is to, uh, uh, why it's an hour one day and, and 19, 20 minutes the next, but uh, <laughs> Who it's knows? Awful. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'm sure LSU would love to have been able to put a jersey on the Honey Badger and Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Thaddeus Moss, welcoming them back. It was, had to be great to see those guys uh, on the sidelines watching practice. Yeah, and uh, just uh, saw uh, Coach Polian tweet out photos of Tyron Matthew uh, talking to the uh, the full room of the, of the team today, and and uh-huh. um, look, you know, those are guys that all uh, look at Tyron Matthew like he's a god, a football god, yep. and uh, that means a lot to have him in the program all day, every day this week, uh, as well as uh, the others that are going to be brought by. So they'll practice again tomorrow. We don't have any access tomorrow, but Saturday we're getting access to the entire practice. Um, you know, uh, I, I, Brian Kelly just d- d- doesn't seem to subscribe to the theory that most college football coaches do that uh, they're in there splitting the atom and they, and they don't want us to see how they do it. Uh huh. <laughs> we talked to you after the first practice and you talked about how uh, organized and how it was very uh, Saban like with every attention to detail and not letting th- letting anything slip underneath the rug and that type of thing. You've been to three practices now. Um, has that continued? And if so, uh, kind of describe uh, what you've seen so far. I, I just, just, it's more the same every day. It's still, I'm trying to, you know, uh, compress a lot of material into a shorter practice. Um, okay. You know, when we got the players uh, on Saturday, Besh, uh, Gay, uh, Ojalari, and Miles Brennan, uh, you know, a few of them noted the fact that uh, they believe in trying to get a lot of the work in in 90 minutes rather than being out there for extended periods of time where right. you're likely not as effective if you're exhausted. And, um, and so – you know, there's a lot to be said for that. Sometimes less is more as long as you're working smart. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of was teasing about Joe Sloan yesterday, the quarterback's coach, you know, because uh, Brian Kelly hovers over all of his drills. And so uh, that, that young coach Sloan, of course, he's, he's young, but he's not that old. You know, he's, he, but he hasn't coached at this level before. Um but he's got Brian Kelly out there uh, helping him uh, run his drills. And um, but I think another thing of note, you know, just you know, because while I'm filming at practice and we loaded our biggest package up ever yesterday, I, I don't, I, I'm not seeing anybody out there that I think, boy, they're still out of shape or they've got a long way to go. Um, I know my guy Sanji says, well, Bradford's still this weight, but you know, but what is the sweet spot for Big Anthony Bradford? You're looking at 360 on on the on the uh, roster, but you know what is his effective weight? Is it 355? I don't know. Uh, yeah, who knows? Um, you know, some guys some guys just aren't going to look like you know Mr. Universe. They're just big guys, mm-hmm. and um, so we're going to see on some of them. 
Yeah, uh, Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. Any any individual player? I, I know you're looking at the the group and you're you're trying to. De- I, I can't imagine what you're looking at and how you can decipher and all that stuff. But um, anybody stand out to you that you like? Like, man, he's changed. He looks a lot better, and he lo- looks like he's ready to go. Um, you know, I was getting a good look at Miles Brennan yesterday. I mean, he takes a lot of heat. You know, at one point he was too skinny. Uh, you know, now, now he's too fat and, and, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you, you want to talk about a guy who's probably got a, 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 a weight, uh, uh, you know, people, uh, shaming him on online and Twitter. Uh, but I thought he actually, uh, looking at him yesterday, I thought he looked better. I think Walker Howard has obviously gotten a little bit bigger. Uh, you can see it in his legs. Um, I think, uh, Nussmeyer is, is gotten bigger. So. Um, and I think of the offensive lineman, uh, one of the good things, you know, I, I got a pretty good camera and I'm able to, they always have the offensive lineman in a minimum 60 yards away from where you could see them. And so <laughs> I made a real effort yesterday to zoom in and stay on them. And, uh, I think there's some guys there that really look good. Uh, you know, Will Campbell, obviously the true freshman just looks like, uh, you know, a beast out there. At uh, what six six and three whatever he is, um, but I, I think there's a lot of guys there that look like they're in great shape. And like Coach Kelly said last week, going into spring football, you know, to only have two guys that weren't available, Major Burns and Kayshawn Butte, that says a lot about you know the medical uh, guys at LSU and uh, the new strength coach and what they were getting done in the off season. Uh, we didn't think we were going to see Walker Howard throw a football. Uh, either maybe the last week or at all, he was yeah. throwing the first day. So, wow. um, yeah. you know, hopefully they, they have a run of good karma like that because yes. I swear the last year or the last year or two years, I've never seen so many injuries in, in LSU football. I'm with you. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. Are they still, in the words of Brian Kelly, uh, running around in their underwear? Yeah, no. Uh, they had shoulder pads on uh, yesterday and helmets. I'm assuming the the closed practice tomorrow will be in full pads, and then uh, on Saturday, and Saturday is going to be a, a big deal. Not only is it open, we, we get uh, you know we're going to get our normal 20 minutes where we can have our cameras running, but we get to stay there for the whole thing. Hmm. And it's my understanding that the families get to come, so I'm sure former players will be there, and they're going to have a slew of recruits on on the sidelines as well. So. Uh, it's going to be a pretty big day on Saturday. If they're, practicing, if they're practicing hard on Friday, that tells me Saturday is going to be kind of a dog and pony show, I think. Maybe an emphasis on some special team work. I, I don't know. I would just imagine. I, I've never been to a Brian Kelly practice, but if you're practicing hard and full pads on Friday, i got to believe Saturday and letting the media come and watch everything. Eh, temper your enthusiasm there, Michael. Well, they're going to practice on Thursday, but or, or are you oh, looking at right. it this Friday? Thursday. I thought it was Thursday. Thursday. I keep thinking today is Thursday. Ah, I was closer to the weekend. My bad. My bad. Okay, maybe maybe there'll be something good. My bad. I stand corrected on that. Well, um, I tell you what. Uh, one thing we have been blessed with: we've had three great days of weather. Yes. Uh, you said it when I was with you last day, Chamber of Commerce. I've heard two other talk shows call it Chamber of Commerce Day. Oh, that's stealing. And, and then we, but when you flash back to last August, and it, 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 which was a, a hit me in the wallet, uh, 
you know, I had a, a sponsor for our post-practice reports. Well, two-thirds of the opportunities that we had for our practice reports uh, went, went down the drain because they went inside because of rain. And because of COVID, they weren't letting the media inside uh, if, if, right. if they were forced indoors. So I probably lost about 1000 bucks, but that's okay. Well, that's, that's a drop in the bucket for Scarborough. Come on now. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm over uh, here eating spam. J- Jalen Daniels, stop it. Jalen Daniels, the transfer from Arizona State. Um, I'm of the belief and he came over here for a reason. He he's he wants to start. He believes he's going to start. How does he look? Is he as thin as I think he is? And uh, is that a detriment or is that a positive because of well, his maneuverability? It, it, I mean, one of the things we've been saying about Walker is, look, uh, get him uh, if you can. Let him play in four games. <laughs> But keep his red shirt. He needs to get bigger and stronger. But he's one ninety two. Well, Daniels is one eighty five. Okay. So, um, but he's a lot taller, isn't he? Yeah, he's a bit taller. Yeah. You know, when I see look? those guys out there, and you go if you if you line them up by height, uh, Walker is probably going to be your shortest quarterback. Yeah. But him and Garrett are pretty close. They're neck and neck. Yeah. Uh, depends on if one's. Stand a little bit higher on a crown of the football field, uh, but uh, Daniels and, and, and Miles are going to be your two taller quarterbacks. Who's the best running back LSU has now? I think it's Emory. Okay, uh, we know Kayshawn Booty's the be- Boutte is the best wide receiver. Who's number two in your book? Um, I'm gonna think Brian Thomas. Okay, but um, I, I just want, I just wonder though. I've seen him at practice, and then because we were late getting out uh, the first day, Thursday, after Kelly talked to us on the first day, and seeing Chris Hilton in street clothes with a to-go box from the uh, that nutrition center, I'm sure it had prime rib and lobster in there. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, have you, have you seen that spread they get every day? Unbelievable. Yeah, uh, But, it. no, he looks fantastic. Okay. Um, and, what is your – Biggest position area of concern? Uh, Center, offensive line, and defensive back, probably. Yeah. And and, and I I can go back and forth whether it's corner or safety. I think they both have question marks. I think the secondary is really questionable. I really do. I think they can find a center. I think they'll move somebody over and train them and get them ready. I'm just – who's left in the secondary? They're all gone. Yep, yep. The secondary to me is a a problem. Or or I'll I'll, I'll say a problem. There's unknowns there. Uh, Unknown. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, of the new transfer portal people, has anybody caught your eye that you go, man? He's yeah. He's he's SEC ready. Not yet, but that's only because, again, we're, and I, I think maybe we'll see something different. I think we are going to see some situational uh, okay. work. Uh, maybe ones versus twos. You know, uh, somewhat of a thirty or forty play type of scrimmage. Uh, type of stuff on Saturday, um, you know. So I, I, I think, you know, offensive line is 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 probably where I'm. I, I want to focus on the most, but okay. you know. And I, but I think Coach Kane with the defensive line, he's got a lot of 
high-profile big names that were guys out of high school that everybody in the country coveted. But, you know, there, there's three or four of them there that, um, you know, haven't shown that they are, you know, what True. they were supposed to be coming out of high school yet. True. True. Um, uh, you know, Mason Smith obviously is a specimen, a big guy, but but is he more than just a bull rusher? Um, uh-huh. You know, Jaquelin Roy, is, is, is there more to him? Uh, Jacoby and Guillory, who, uh, you know, uh, if you remember that year, they were also recruiting right. McKinley Jackson from Mississippi, yeah. who Jimbo Fisher got, and he's been a starter from them since day one. Yeah, You know, similar type of build to Jacoby and Guillory. You know, is Guillory going to step up? You know, mm-hmm. Allie Gay showed his moment, uh, moments two years ago. Um, I don't know. And then, you know, Savion Jones, who I had number one the year he came out. I had him 1A and Mason 1B. Is he about to step up? He's he's second behind Allie Gay on the depth chart. Are we going to see some of him and some growth? Uh, Quincy Wiggins behind him. So, uh, but, the, but as far as the transfer portal guys, back to your original question, they're, the guys I want to see like Wingo and them, they're all mm-hmm. on the line drills that are always 60 or 80 yards away. I got you. I got you. Um, what's up with Micah Baskerville? Somebody told me that uh, here's a guy that started, now, albeit on a team that was 500. Um, he was a starter. Now he's on the third string at this point in time. Uh, good. Somebody's got to be better than that. I like that. Yeah, who was that again? Micah Baskerville. Yes, yes, yeah. And, you know, we saw White go into the portal. Uh, Baylor's all excited. I'm like, man, why, why are y'all excited about him at lock? At LSU, at linebacker, he couldn't uh, he couldn't see the field. He wasn't even on the two deep. So, I think the linebacker spot at LSU is going to be very good. Okay, Greg Penn, Mike Jones, West Weeks, Jared Small, just to name a few. Uh, Colby Fields, um, Antoine Sampa. They got some. I'm with you. I, I think you, know, you got to make sure you got a quarterback. Sampa. Sampa's one of those guys, though, where you're saying, man, uh, it's time to show something. Yeah. You know, because if if you don't show something this spring with a new coaching staff and you weren't breaking through before after a couple of years, you know, uh, you're you're starting to say, okay, you know, because, look, when you start playing with the numbers, LSU's under, but then then you also have the normal attrition, guys who are getting the part of the spring. I mean, where does Sampa, you know, line up and told and et cetera? Right. Yeah. Guys, well, if you're we'll, waiting we'll to do something. Yeah. Because uh, right th- now, that East Coast run in the 2019 class looks like an absolute bust. Good point. Good point. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. So, in essence, you got to find a quarterback. Somebody has to emerge. And I, I really believe with the way football is played now, um, you got to figure out what's going on with your defensive secondary because if not, you can't stop anybody. I, I, I'm sorry. You got to have defensive backs and a plethora of them that can guard people out in space. And if you don't in this league, uh, you're in deep trouble. So those are the two biggest areas of concern to me from the outside. You're on the inside. You see more of it. Um, but to me, that those are the two most glaring spots on this football team, I think. You know what, too, uh, you know, back to the center spot, I think I'm not saying he's going to be the guy early because, you know, the, the, the general consensus is, man, he didn't play the position at LCA. But I thought Fitzgerald looked pretty darn good yesterday. So, okay. uh, you know, it, it might not be this year, but um, 
he, he might be a, 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 a much stronger guy a year from now than people think because I thought he looked darn good yesterday. And, and I've seen him twice in street clothes uh, since he committed LSU. And I wouldn't be surprised if he hasn't grown an inch or two since last hmm. summer. Okay. That's certainly within the realm of possibility. Let me ask you one last question. Um, you talk to all the recruits that are out there. What's the consensus of this staff and how they go about the recruiting process? We're hearing a lot of positives. You know, they, you know, again, the organization part of it. Um, Kelly is absolutely one of those guys. Once he starts talking and he's got a recruit and maybe his high school coach and parents sitting across the desk from him in an office for, you know, uh, an individual, you know, conversation, um, he, he, he could sell anything. And so okay. I think that's the positive, you know, but right now you're not seeing the fruits of it because, right. you know, what are going to be the patterns of bursts of commitments that you see added to your recruiting class now with this NIL thing? Yeah. You know, a kid could very well say, um, you know, LSU is a school I want to go to, but I haven't heard anything about NIL from the local businesses there. Whereas, uh, you know, this used car dealer in Stillwater has offered me this. I'm hoping I hear something from LSU folks, you know, or if you get a commitment from a guy right now, what does it really mean when Nothing. all the NL, NIL craziness starts really kicking into gear in November? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, we shall see. Arch Manning, where's he going? It uh, looks like Tennessee or Georgia. Um, I mean, excuse me, Texas or Georgia. Texas or Georgia. Um, okay. And so – if those are the two schools, if I'm him, it would probably be Georgia. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Sarkeesian, um, but mm-hmm. the kid also kind of seems like an Austin, Texas kind of kid. Um, but again, I, I still say that I think Holstein's the better quarterback. Holstein, didn't he decommit from somewhere? And he's, isn't his isn't his recruiting opened up again? Yes. And he's been okay. Alabama a few times. Oh, okay. Very good. All right. Uh, we shall see. Mike Scarborough, uh, you'll be out there Thursday tomorrow. I'm jumping the horse. Um, and then again, Saturday. It's, it's like Christmas in April. It'll be April 2nd. It'll be Christmas. You get to watch a full practice, man. Look out. You better, you better charge those batteries on that camera you've got. No doubt. Go check out the video we posted last night. The, the whole package was like nine gigs. I mean, it's the biggest uh, practice video we've ever posted on TigerBait.com. Oh, good. Okay. TigerBait.com. Mike Scarborough is the boss. He's got a great staff that works along with him. Uh, you do a terrific job, man. Thanks so much. You uh, you media hound you, man. You're everywhere. All right, Jordy. Talk to you soon, man. Thanks. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take care. Right. And uh, I started that Chamber of Commerce thing. I guarantee I should have patented it. Uh, today is not... A Chamber of Commerce Day, just in case 
you needed to know the difference. Today is not. So they're not taking pictures today. They're not putting it on brochures. They're just filing this away in, into the trash can. I will take a quick time out. We'll have a very uh, short next segment. And then Michael Huguenin of On3.com will join us as we continue the conversation on this Wednesday, March 30th, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 30th, 1976. The New Orleans Saints lose tackle Dave Thompson and running back Morris Legrand to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and defensive end Joe Owens to the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL expansion draft. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, welcome back. Um, we mentioned earlier, uh, Teran Matthew in town, uh, in town uh, for the week to watch LSU football. And I can remember sitting in a room about 10 years ago uh, watching Les Miles announce that the Honey Badger had been kicked off the team. Now, much of that was, all of it was Matthew's fault. I mean, he had been given chance after chance after chance after chance after chance after chance after chance, and he just couldn't control himself, and they had no other course of action. And it was the best thing that ever happened to Tyron Matthew. Um, he changed his life. It's one of the greatest comeback stories that, um, that I can remember, I can think of. He took that humiliating defeat and failure, learned from it, grew from it, and became a better man. So he changed his life. And because of that, he's changed the lives of so many others. A tremendous, one of the most gifted football players ever. I remember doing a radio show in Baton Rouge, and I got a call from some guy. I didn't know who the guy was. He said, Jordy, I just got to tell you, there's this little kid. He's going to turn heads. I said, uh, well, who is it? He said, his name is uh, Tyron Matthew from St. Aug. I said, well, look, I don't follow recruiting, I don't, but I never heard of this kid. He said, trust me, just watch. You'll see. He's going to be incredible. And I can't remember who the gentleman was, but if you're out there listening, uh, you were absolutely prophetically correct. He was a sensational football player who, like many of us, have flaws and have challenges. And it's an inspiration to see someone fall so so precipitously from the top of the mountain to the abyss to the abyss there were question marks is he even going to get drafted what can you depend on him i mean he's so talented but he's so skilled but the off the field stuff well um he changed his life and he is he is so successful he's still as gifted and as talented and um Remarkable. One of my all-time favorites. So a truly inspirational story for anybody out there. You can change. 
You can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it and back that up with the proper action and get the help you need. Simple. Simply done, difficult to accomplish. But boy, when you do, it's like that person that loses the weight that says, I'm tired. I am Brandon Marcello, friend of the program. I just saw saw him put something out a year ago. He was like three over 300 pounds a year ago. And he said, I'd had enough. I'd had enough. I wanted to live a healthy life. I wanted to be, quote, comfortable. He couldn't walk around. It was He's 185 pounds now in one year. One year. He said it took stick-to-itiveness. It took a plan. It took help. It took work. And now he's 185 pounds. He lost over 100 pounds. And looks remarkable. Same kind of thing with Teran Matthew. You can change anything if you're willing to put the work in. Really? And so what, what a true inspiration. Very happy for old number seven. What a great, great player he was. I will right, we'll take a quick time out here when we come back. Michael Huguenin. We'll talk about uh, this proposal to limit the NCAA to eight months of investigating and then come up with a solution. Instead of this two, three, four, five-year plan, oh, makes too much sense. Makes too much sense. Uh, we'll talk about that more. Michael Huguenin on 3.com after this timeout. The Jordy Heltberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. You're simply the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Deep in the heart of the South Louisiana Bayou Country, Cajun Chef seasonings are still made from time-honored, traditional family recipes using only the finest spices and peppers. You got to taste the flavor of Cajun Chef's cayenne hot sauce um, or their gourmet green hot sauce. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef and give yourself the Cajun food flavor that will keep you coming back for more and more. They are truly the flavor of Louisiana. Cajun Chef. It is Wednesday, hump day. That means the man. It's his turn in the box. Uh Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is hump day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hello, Michael. How you doing, buddy? Doing uh, quite well. Looking forward to um, what should be a extremely entertaining Final Four. Mm-hmm. Um, you just wish that uh, Villanova was at full strength, but I no. still think that uh, Nova's got a chance to win even without um, the kid who's hurt. More. Um, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I I'm not a fan of. 
I'm not a big fan of any of the teams, but I dislike Kansas more than any team in there. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I just don't like to watch them play. What? What? What's wrong with me? I, I don't know. I mean, it is. You know, I think people you, people do definitely get tired of blue blood teams. Um, and these are four of the bluest of the blue bloods. I mean, you know, people might are. say Villanova. They're going for their third title in six seasons. Yeah. I mean, Jay yep. Wright, he it's does tremendous. not get enough credit for the kind of program nope. he has built. Kansas, um, yeah, I mean, I can, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I have a lot of friends who like college basketball, um, and I don't know any of them who like Kansas. Um, a handful <laughs> like North Carolina, a handful like yeah. Duke, a lot like Villanova. Love Villanova. Um, a lot of folks I know like Michigan State. Um, nobody, I mean, if, if, you know, if Kansas were to lose, uh, in the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament, nobody I'm in contact with would be bothered. Whereas, uh, you know, I had friends who were like, oh my God, I can't believe Kentucky lost. Oh my God, I can't believe Michigan State lost. Oh my God, I can't believe Michigan lost. No one would say that if Kansas lost. I'm with you. Um, it's a blue, uh, it's a very blue New Orleans, all four teams in, in the blue uniforms. It just seems like destiny to me. I, I, I don't know who's going to beat Duke. They're really no, good. Duke, right, and Duke, ever since that loss to North Carolina, I know they lost in the ACC tournament. Um, that was to a team that was extremely desperate. Though. Virginia Tech had to win to yeah. get in, and I think the fact that they were seated 11th proved that. Um, but in the NCAA tournament, um, you know, their third round win over Texas Tech was a basketball clinic. Texas Tech is an elite defensive team, the best team in the nation defensively. Duke shot 70% in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Bancaro can play. Mark Williams has come on. Um, that guard AJ is unbelievable. Three. Um, it's just an extremely talented team. They're physical and they're athletic. I think when you watch them play Arkansas, Arkansas beat up on Gonzaga. Gonzaga had no answer. Arkansas tried to beat up on Duke. Duke hit him back and then beat up on Arkansas. So, um, you know, I I know a lot of folks, you know, Krzyzewski is a lot like Notre Dame football. Either you love him or you intensely dislike him. But this is a really good team. And, you know, he's – you, you can make a case he's the second greatest coach behind John Wooden. Wooden went out with a title. Uh, yep. I would not be surprised if Shashevsky went out with a title as well because Duke is playing really good basketball. And look, they're playing, but it, as soon as that point guard elevated his play, that because yes. they've got every they got the point guard, they got the all around player in Bankera, and they got the rim projector in Williams. I, I don't know how you beat them. I really, if they play their game, I don't know how you beat them. Yeah, and I think. You know, people are saying, well, you know, North Carolina stole their lunch money in the last game at Cameron. I, I in retrospect, that was the best thing that happened to Duke. Agreed. I, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think it's going to be, people forget, the first time they played in Chapel Hill, Duke beat the tar out of them. Right. Um, and I think that this Duke team, the way they're playing right now, they're playing loose. Um, I think the moment was too big for them in the yep. finale at, at Cameron because yep. it was Shashevsky's last game at, yep. at Cameron. They were making a huge deal of it. Um, and I think the Duke players wilted ever since then. I think they, they are a free-flowing basketball team.
Yeah, I agree. I thought that was the best thing that happened. I wonder how Duke would be if Krzyzewski had kept this under his lid and hadn't announced that this was his last year and would have done it after his last loss, how this team would be. But I think you hit the nail on the head. That The moment was too big. Uh, the last game at Cameron, uh, but now they're free and loose and, and they're, they're really, really good. Michael Hugan and on three.com. I got to shift to something. I think that you will be in total agreement with me on, and that's this bipartisan bill in sponsored by a Senator from a, a Republican from Tennessee and a Democrat from New Jersey, who um, if this bill is passed would require NCAA investigations to be completed in eight months eight months and would prohibit the NCAA from punishing schools for violations that are two or more years old. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's common sense. Um, but I, I don't, I'll first, I, I think that the Senate and Congress have far more important things to worry Agreed. about. Agreed. Um, I think the NCAA investigative, the investigative aspect of the NCAA has been broken for a long time. Um, you know, it's, and we, we've written a couple stories in the last couple months about they want to streamline the process, but not everybody's on board. And that's a little bit bizarre in and of itself. I think you and I have talked about this in, in the past. This is, th- think of the NCA as a country club and a country club has rules. And then you've got members of the country club who voted on the rules, blatantly breaking those same rules. It, it sort of makes no sense. Um, yeah, that's a great rule. We're going to break it anyway. Um, or that's a stupid rule. We're going to break it anyway, even though we signed off on it. Um, the NCAA has got so many problems. I, I, I can see why people think this is going to solve everything. But I think you and I have also talked about this. The NCA has no subpoena power. So basically right. then you could stonewall the NCA for eight months and then, oh, investigation's over. Nothing's going wrong. It's it's the, the whole the whole process is broken. It needs to be fixed. And I, I think one of the problems with the NCAA, you know, they they're they're rewriting their constitution. Um, mm-hmm. A athletic director at Division Three Caltech um, was very smart. She said, "Why in the world do us schools, all one thousand of us, think it's important to be under one umbrella?" Because Division One is not the same as Division Three, Division right. Two is not the same as Division Three. There are mm-hmm. schools in Division One who have absolutely nothing in common with other schools in Division yeah. One. So, that's right. um, yeah, and and, and that the, the whole process is broken, and that's the investigative aspect is broken as well. Um, that 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 bill certainly has garnered a lot of attention, and again, I think it does make sense from a logical standpoint, but there's nothing mm. with the NCA that's logical. <laughs> this is true. Speaking of a logical standpoint, and this may be an unfair question, but I'm just asking for your opinion. What do you think the NCAA is going to do to LSU? Well, that's, that's just, there, there is, that's, it's impossible to answer because they yeah. don't treat cases the exact same way. Um, you look at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State supposedly did what the NCAA wanted, and they still got banned from postseason play. Um, Bill Self has been in Kansas has been in a lot of problems. They're in the Final Four. Uh, yep. Arizona had a bunch of problems. Uh, they didn't fire Sean Miller until after last season. Yep. Um, LSU didn't fire Will Wade until a couple weeks ago. It's 
it's hard to understand. And, you know, what's going to happen in Memphis? Um, I'll be honest. You look at what Memphis did. They basically. That sounds like the worst. James Weissman, we're investigating him. And Memphis said, we do not care. We're playing him anyway. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's sort of fascinating to see um, how all this is, is going to play out. Um, I, I don't think that LSU is going to get a postseason ban. I really do not think that. Um, I, I think they may lose some scholarships, may lose some visits, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. May vacate wins, which is the stupidest penalty of all time. Stupidest. But I don't think they're going to get a postseason ban. How about this? How about this? Okay, you, you penalize Will Wade. All right, for what he did, and his assistant coach Armstrong for what they did. You put the the show cause on their under their name. You maybe hit the hit the university in the pocketbook for right. um, lack of don't, institutional don't mess, control. Don't mess with the current players who have don't, nothing. Do to not do prohibit. Do not with mess the with the current players if right. they're good enough to make the NCAA tournament. Let them play, but as part of the part of the penalty, if LSU plays in the NCAA tournament. They get no proceeds from the tournament. How about that? And, you know, I think you and I have talked about this before. The way that college athletic departments are are run now, um, money is the god. Yes. So if you start, you know, schools, you know, oh, my God, we, you know, we vacated your final four appearance. Who cares? There's nothing. Hitting them in the wallet. That's yes. what matters. And you, yes. you look at Oklahoma State this year, the players who were there, I don't think anybody on the team this season was there when the violations happened, and yet they were penalized. That makes that, absolutely no sense at all. You're, you're exactly right. Hitting schools in the wallet, messing and, with coaches, maybe maybe fining coaches yes. is the way to do things as well. And look, if you if you don't, award money to LSU from the tournament, then that distribution at the end of the year becomes less, which gets all the other schools angry. Other so schools they're all policing each other as well. Exactly. Exactly. Another reason, again, the, the whole, the whole idea of the NCA, you know, everybody looks at it as some kind of, Oh my goodness. They're against everybody else. Well, the NCA schools are, they're member schools. You, you yes. agree to abide by rules, so you break again. You go, you're breaking rules. You agree to abide by, and right. maybe the only way to get schools to abide by rules is to penalize them financially, because everybody knows the way to make an athletic director <laughs> extremely ticked off is mm-hmm. to start messing with his budget. I'll put it in an athlete's terminology, okay? We used to have to run suicides for time. And the coach would say, Dale Brown would say, everybody's got to make it in, I don't know, 35 seconds, whatever. If everybody doesn't make it in 35 seconds, everybody runs it again. You talk about peer pressure, and that's that's what needs to be done at the higher levels of athletics. And presumably with NIL – there's going to be less blatant cheating, though a lot of the evidently we're, we've been writing story after story. A lot of the NIL deals being struck technically might be illegal, but again, yeah. is the NCA going to have the stomach to enforce it? But <laughs> you're right. I mean, if if you're in a group of ten people, let's 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 just do it in everyday part. Okay, you go All out right. to lunch with five people. 
Everybody needs to pitch in equal amount. Oh, my goodness, I forgot my wallet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You aren't yeah. going to be invited to lunch again. That's right. Because the or, how about, are how about the guy that, that order? So, how about the yeah. guy that orders three cocktails and you're drinking ice water? And okay, well, everybody pony up the same right. amount. Well, and, yeah. and, he, and he's the one who says everybody should just pitch in the exact same amount of money. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, and that's 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 the way people need to think about college that's athletics. Right. It's, yeah. it's it's a it's one big huge group where there's always an outlier or two or three who don't do things everybody else does. And it, it should tick off everybody else. That's part of the problem, though. Enough people don't get ticked off. You and I talked a couple weeks ago about faking football injuries yep. and how coaches – it's now going to be on the coaches to sort of police themselves. Well, let's get serious. If, if Coach A, after a game, comes out and says, you know something, Coach B, he's a punk – because he's having his players fake injuries. That kind of stuff will get fixed. Instead, yeah. everybody's mealy-mouthed about it, well, and they don't call out the person that's directly involved. That needs to start happening on a lot of different levels in college. They need to be like the NFL and full disclosure, doubtful, yeah. questionable, out, and leave it alone like that. That 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 has to be done along those lines. Okay, um, as we wrap up, uh, who's going to be in the championship game? Monday night I think in it's New Orleans. Be Duke, Kansas, uh, and I okay. think Duke is going to win. I, and I think Villanova, if not for the injury, would be in the final because I think Villanova is a better team than Kansas. Uh, I, I still think Villanova's got a chance. Except, I, do I mean, too. that's a team that was six deep. Now they're five deep. They're going to have to get an unreal performance by somebody who hasn't done anything all year. They're, they're number six and seven guys now have scored yeah. eighty-one combined points this year. Well, so one of those but if any up. team, um, if any team, in my opinion, can weather the storm of losing a player, it's Villanova because they're going to play the true. same way You're regardless. Jay Wright's system, and yeah. I'll get Jay Wright. You know, he does that guy. I don't know why he doesn't give enough credit. Doesn't get enough credit. They're going yeah. for their third title in six years. Yeah. That's extremely impressive. Um, he's got a great system, um, and he adapts. I mean, think about the team that won it with Chris Jenkins, they ran up and down the court. This yeah. team is much slower paced. Jay Wright does a great job adapting. To They're smart. They're smart. Michael Huguenin, enjoy the final four. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. All right, talk to you next week, man. Appreciate it. You got it, man. Uh, here's your outro. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Birthday wishes when we return. Stay with us. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, time to wrap this bad boy up. If today, March 30th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with pretty good defensive back uh, back of the day. He's 33 years old now. Richard Sherman celebrating a birthday. 
Hammer time. MC Hammer is 59. And uh, the guitarist and singer extraordinaire Eric Clapton is 76 years young today. So happy birthday if it's your anniversary. Happy anniversary. Hope you keep adding year after year after year to it. If you don't have to get out and about, stay home. Stay off the highways. Keep it locked in to 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Come on back tomorrow. Same time, two to four. Same great stations as we just mentioned. Um, and we'll uh, recap the Pels win over the Trailblazers. I'm predicting it right here, right now. Thanks to Justin Napoli, Chris Rose for glue, Mike Scarborough, Mike Huguenin, and James Mesh. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to our partners who make it possible. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friends. And by all means, stay happy, my friends. See you tomorrow. 